Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Hey, good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, your prayers, your um, sharing the podcast. That's how we get out there, and we just thank you so much. Again, if you missed last week our announcement that we now, uh, we have listeners from all over the place, several countries, but uh, listeners in all kinds of different states across the U.S., and we found out that we now, since we got a donation from, I believe, Maryland and West Virginia, we now have people that have donated to this ministry from 43 states in the U.S. Now, if Kansas is one that we don't, and we know we must have listeners in Kansas being more of a conservative or red state. But anyway, uh, we thank you guys so much for keeping us going. Um, can't wait to dive into the topics today with Doreen Virtue that a lot of you have heard us talk about from time to time, and as movies come out and as, quote, Christian movies and uh, productions come out, we do have to use discernment. And, boy, we really need a lot of help when it comes to discerning what is biblical and what is not, because as Spurgeon said, discernment is, an, is not an issue of right and wrong, but determining what is right from almost right. And I think that was Spurgeon. Anyway, um, Doreen Virtue, she's got a brand new video out, and that's what compelled me to get her back on the podcast again uh, this week, uh, Jesus Revolution or False Revival. Just her background, if you haven't heard her before, she's a former New Age author, very successful. Uh, she was raised in, the re- raised in the religion of Christian science. She was a top-selling New Age author and at a major publishing house, and she began studying the Bible. And she found Jesus, or Jesus found her, <laughs> and she left the New Age, denounced her practices, her books, and she's the author of Deceived No More, How Jesus Led Me Out of the New Age and Into His Word. And Doreen Virtue, it's so great to have you back on Stand Up for the Truth. Thank you, Brother David. It's great to be with you and everyone. All right. Well, I want to direct people to your YouTube channel as well. It's wonderful, and you can get a lot of videos from Doreen. It's at Doreen-Virtue. So search for that, or we'll put the link in today's podcast post at StandUpForTheTruth.com. So let's start with, um, first of all, thank you for tackling so many important topics from an issue of discernment in the church when it comes to Christian entertainment and uh, false religions. In your recent video, Doreen, you are, uh, you, uh, you are right along the line with what we love, truth proclaimers and defenders. So thank you for tackling it. I know you've probably taken some hits or friendly fire for doing it, right? I have. But what's been helpful is after I was saved, because I had been raised in a false church, Christian science, that uh, with Bible reading, we, we were reading the Bible um, every single day. Uh, the King James Bible, but I had been reading it through the lens of Christian science, which was invented by a false prophetess, so I was not rightly dividing the word. So I went to seminary uh, soon after I was saved, just so I could learn how to rightly divide the word and understand, and uh, ended up getting a master's degree in biblical and theological studies, 
Um, and praise the Lord, um, he gave me a new heart, a new life, as he does everyone who he saves. And, and because of that, I was able to um, understand the gospel and share with others the good news of mm. our Lord and, Christ, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So these discernment videos are really what I wish I had watched mm. when I was deceived. Yep. I don't know if I would have been able to understand them or not, because, of course, it's up to God to lift the veil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the as, as I watch these Christian movies, you know, I, I would love to be able to see solid Christian movies and TV shows. That would be fantastic. Yeah. You know, I think that would be just amazing. But there's just so many issues with them. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's it's really tragic because it can mislead someone yes. like me who wasn't understanding the Bible. So here's an interesting thought, Doreen. I'd love to get your take on the fact that I think a lot of believers and maybe sincere Bible believing Christians maybe jump to or flock to these movies because of the lack of not only quality Christian content, but just the lack of godly influence or Christian um, influence in Hollywood. It is so depraved, such a dark mm-hmm. world. Um, they are absolutely promoting and celebrating deeds of darkness instead of exposing them. And they are absolutely uh, indoctrinating children and and deceiving even Christians. When you hear, the, hey, this is a Christian movie, People, I don't think, do their due diligence. Do you think it's because there are just not enough? I mean, there are more coming out now. Now it seems to be more a bit more popular. But what are your thoughts on that? I agree with you, David. I think that um, maybe a producer turns out with um, the best of intentions, but when you get involved with the Hollywood studio, as you said, there's people who are coming from a place of Satanism who hate Christianity, who want to... Um, divide the church mm-hmm. and deceive those who are even the elect. Um, so we we have to be so discerning with so-called Christian entertainment. Yep. And Amen. even even um, shows that seem that are said to be family friendly, they'll stick something in there right to, that's unbiblical to try to confuse us or to normalize things that are unbiblical. Yes, they have redefined family-friendly. It's not what it was 50 years ago, and we've proven that with a lot of evidence and pointing people to really what's going on out there. Uh, compared, not only compared to the Bible and Scripture, but compared to what it used to be, like you know, I, you know, like yeah. I said, fifty years ago. I want to thank you before we continue, Doreen. At the very end of your recent video, "Jesus Revolution or False Revival," you said, "Bible before breakfast, Word before world." And I'll tell you, I was in Southern California for 17 years, and I was attending a Calvary Chapel there for a short time, two different Calvary Chapels. One of them, the pastor, he used to be a police officer. He comes from this rigid, disciplined background, which I was not. And I thought, man, that's a challenge because I love breakfast. And he said, Bible (laughs) before breakfast. And I actually did that today. I'm not giving myself a pat on the back because I don't always do that. But I love that because it's just a reminder of the importance of getting God's word in us. And just um, just share your heart on that because I'm, I'm sure that's one of the things that you like to practice in your own life. Well, I think it's partly the influence. Um, these days, a lot of people will read the social media or go to Twitter or the news first thing, and that's what you're feeding yourself. And so when we read the Bible first thing, it, it not only feeds our soul, but it, it 
insulation mm. against the world's influences. So we have to make that the first thing we read in the morning. And to stay in God's Word, which helps us with our litmus test, uh, is this biblical or not? It really helps us with discernment throughout mm. the day. I like that. It does. It insulates us uh, from the world. Um, and yeah. the, the attacks will come, and the, un, the godless influences are out there all around us. So you mentioned Christian science, and we're going to be talking about the new, very successful movie, Jesus Revolution. Yeah. Uh, based on uh, the life and, and preaching and teaching of Chuck Smith, and that well, all that happened, it, it really took over the country in a way. Time Magazine did a cover story on it, and I want to touch briefly on Kelsey Grammer because you mentioned Christian Science, and um, a lot of articles that you know, I mean, some people today, if they use the word God or say, "Hey, what a blessing," they think, "Oh, you're a Christian." <laughs> I'm going, "Wow, that's a pretty low bar for being a Christian, just using the word God or blessing." So I've seen a lot of articles saying he's a Christian. I haven't read anything that would say he came out of Christian science. Can you fill us in on that? Yeah, same here. Um, it's interesting. When I was a New Age author, my publisher told me that Kelsey Grammer had contacted them because he was a fan of my books back then. Hmm. I can't corroborate that, but that's, prob- that's possible because Christian science and New Age are very similar. Hmm. In fact, when I was a New Age teacher, I was teaching a form of Christian science, because it's all about mind over matter, you know, mm. using your thoughts to create your reality, very law of attraction, or yep. the so-called secret. And as you said, there's no articles that I've found in my research that said that Kelsey Grammer, who was raised Christian science like me, that he had denounced it. Mm. And it was so interesting to watch him, because I, I went to see um, Jesus Revolution twice, mm-hmm just because I wanted to research it. And I have to say it was a very enjoyable movie because I was raised in the 70s in Southern California. And, you know, the late, I was born in 58, so I was there in the 60s when a lot of this was happening. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really was accurate, I mean, to the detail. Even the, the interior furnishings and decorations in yeah. the houses, the clothing, the music, they just captured it completely. Um, and it was interesting to see a Christian scientist Kelsey Grammer, he he shared the gospel. I mean, he talked about the crucifixion. He talked about sin. Uh, he he talked about baptism, which is not part of Christian science at all, because there's the belief there's no sin. Hmm. So he was either a really good actor, or, <laughs> or and he was overriding his own belief. I don't know. Maybe he. Maybe God's working on his heart. We can pray. We hope so, because we I, we never want to take for granted when when a Hollywood actor or actress mentions God, uh, specifically when they mention Jesus. That means they're a little closer to the truth. But then you think, well, is that another Jesus? Is that you yeah. know their in their interpretation of Jesus that is not biblical? So we really have to discern and not jump on the bandwagon and idolize celebrities. I I just want to read briefly part of Movie Guide's review and get your thoughts, Doreen Virtue, on Jesus Revolution. It's an accurate, compressed portrait of the hippies and Vietnam War protesters who find Jesus because God calls several Christians to tell them about Jesus Christ. The plot is propelled by a love story between an impoverished young man, Greg Laurie, with an alcoholic mother, and Kath, a beautiful young woman from a wealthy Southern California family. 
She becomes burned out by the drug scene. She brings Greg to Pastor Chuck Smith's growing church in Newport Beach. Lonnie Frisbee, a young hippie preacher, has convinced Chuck to open his church to the young, disaffected people who've been drawn to Southern California. Jesus Revolution is an incredibly well-made and captivating movie. It has many scenes with jeopardy and inspiring, well-written presentations of Jesus' gospel. Movie Guide advises caution because of the movie accurately depicting the drug scene from an impartial viewpoint that might attract younger children. The movie also shows Greg Laurie's mother, mother's constant drunkenness and philandering. The immoral behavior is part of the true stories in Jesus Revolution, which to an amazing degree have been made into an exciting, cohesive, uplifting movie. End quote. That's from Movie Guy. They don't go into doctrinal issues, but that's what we're going to talk about, Doreen. But overall, your thoughts. I agree with that. The uh, drug scenes were disturbing and accurate, though. That's Mm. exactly how it was back Mm. then. Everyone was dropping acid and being encouraged to do so. There was a real degradation of morals at that time. So if they had watered it down, it really would have watered down the truth in terms of culturally. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, yes, there was definite doctrinal issues because it was Hollywoodized. Yeah, yeah. We don't know to what degree, but there are definitely some things you pointed out in your video that I appreciate. And we have to, I'll just say, I think it's important to uh, differentiate between what was happening then, maybe in the early days in the portrayal in the movie, and how the Calvary Chapel movement as a whole split because of some of these beliefs, and that would include Lonnie Frisbee. But I want to go back to one of the scenes you had a problem with, and that is... Chuck Smith, or in this case, Kelsey Grammer, portraying Chuck Smith when he was baptizing hippies' feet. Um, I, from what I understand, Doreen, he, he never did that, and uh, I've been mm-hmm. told that uh, that's not something he would do, but they showed that in the movie. It is not biblical. And first of all, did you get rid of your salad bowl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's being donated for sure. Okay, okay, share us about... <laughs> it's interesting. I, I have ahead. the exact same salad bowl <laughs> as was used as a prop in the movie. And and so the the whole foot bath scene was very disturbing. Uh, first, like you said, um, I have a friend who was raised at the First Calvary Chapel um, church there, and her parents were really good friends with... Uh, Chuck Smith and his wife and his Mm. family and Mm. she was crying when she saw that because Uh. she said Chuck Smith would have never done that and Mm. she said the history she remembers it is that the hippies were barefoot Mm -hmm. Um, they had dirt on their feet they had brand new shag carpeting at the church and the elders were afraid of the feet dirtying and ruining the new carpet it was basically that so Chuck Smith she said famously she said was that he said he would pull the carpet up rather than keep the hippies away. He didn't want to practice partiality. Amen. And and then the Calvary Chapel magazine reports that um, that Chuck Smith actually lectured the elders from the book of James about the sin of partiality, that you're not to treat someone different because they're dressed different or they do or do not have money. And that's the real the real story. But in the movie it was blasphemous, and I've talked to several Christians who were also offended by this, mm-hmm. that um, in Kelsey Grammer is shown saying the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as he's washing 
someone's feet yeah. coming to the church. And yeah. that's using the Lord's name in vain. Mm. And he was chuckling about it. And so this is, this is the commanded sacrament of baptism yes. that he's laughing about. See, that's the Christian scientist right there. Okay. Because the Christian scientist does not believe in baptism. You don't baptize people in Christian science because the belief is that you've never sinned because they keep going to Genesis one twenty six that says we're made in God's image and likeness. And then they think that Genesis 3 is just a, a myth and that there's no crucifixion. So why would we need to be baptized? Because mm-hmm. baptism is a picture of Jesus' life, death, and, and resurrection, after yep. all. Yeah, yep, exactly. I thought that was a little lighthearted, the way they portrayed that. And it was almost like he was joking, because uh, he was kind of yep. smiling and saying, hey, I baptize these feet in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Welcome to church. You know, it's like, okay, right. come on. Was he in a hurry? Was Were they... Anyway, um, so there, so again, we have confirmations from people who were there or who were a part of that movement in the early days that said Chuck Smith never did that. But here's another situation, Doreen, that you and many others warn about, that the artistic license that is taken by even Christian film producers to put something like this in the movie, um, we've got to really be discerning, don't we? We do. Um, if we don't know our Bible, we can be swayed by scenes like that. Um, and also, I was disturbed that they didn't denounce Catherine Coleman, who mm-hmm. was a, a part of Calvary Chapel and, and influenced Lonnie Frisbee. When Lonnie Frisbee's shown as going through the audience and giving, it seemed like psychic readings, prophetic readings about people's health, that was straight out of Catherine Coleman's playbook. She mm-hmm. was a false false prophetess, who was, uh, was a big influence on Benny Hinn, yes. the false teacher. Um, you know, people would fall over in her presence, or she'd push them, and she would say, you're healed. And there's actually um, a doctor who went through and researched her, her so-called healings and could not find one person who was actually healed, mm. and actually found one woman who had a, a very serious back issue, who Catherine Coleman said, get up and walk, and the woman did, but she she actually ended up breaking her back by doing that, Ooh. and she died very soon after, wow. tragically. Yes, that so is, that is that, tragic. You know, they should have said something about Catherine Coleman being a false prophet in the movie. I'm surprised Greg Laurie didn't. That's interesting, and maybe you can share your thoughts on Greg Laurie in a minute, but I want to go back to Catherine Coleman, and thank you for showing those clips in your video, um, Jesus Revolution or False Revival, because Benny Hinn and many others do the same thing. They don't touch someone and, quote, lay their hands on a person and pray for healing. They literally push or sometimes hit a person and almost forcefully knocking them over backwards. That is so not biblical. No. It so, is actually, it's abusive. Yes. And I show in the, the video um, a, a clip of Benny Hinn, who was the prodigy of Catherine Coleman, and he was pushing a woman over with lupus. I mean, knocked her to the ground. And these people idolize Catherine Coleman and Benny mm-hmm. Hinn and the such, and so they don't complain, but it's, it's very concerning. Well, I do want to read... Um uh, an email, Mary Danielson is our, our part-time co-host here on Stand Up For The Truth. She writes for Lighthouse Trails, 
And by the way, there's a book called The Chosen Series, 10 Critical Concerns. You can get it at Lighthouse Trails, but we'll get to that. Um, Mary sent in an email. She's on vacation now down south. And um, just some words I want to quote her, and I'll get your response, Doreen. She said, I would hope that a simple look into Calvary Chapel doctrines over time would prove that they do not teach things like foot baptism, but hippies did that sort of thing. And then she said, after the time frame of this movie, and we'll get to this character as well, Lonnie Frisbee's departure, there were two completely different doctrinal shoots that emerged. Frisbee got hooked up with John Wimber and followed the Signs and Wonders crowd, which included the Vineyards, Kansas City Prophets, and Toronto Blessing. Everyone I know distances from all that. And she also said, uh, Chuck Smith said finally to Lonnie Frisbee, if you want to do that kind of thing, you can, but don't call yourself a Calvary Chapel. So I'm skipping down to say uh, Mary added, do some research on where the Calvary chapels went after Lonnie Frisbee departed. He did a lot of things that were off the rails, both personally and doctrinally. His story is out there for anyone to read this. I think Catherine Coleman's involvement was only for a short time, and I'm pretty sure Pastor Chuck Smith saw right through that. But again, that was Lonnie Frisbee's influence. We'll pause right there, Doreen, and I'll just hear what what your thoughts are. Uh, Yes, Lonnie Frisbee is someone who, you know, may have been sincere. He was certainly portrayed that way in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he, but his background is concerning. He said that he was called to Christ out of the hippie movement while taking LSD. Oh, boy. Now, back then in the 60s and 70s, LSD, excuse me, <clears throat> LSD was a very commonly used drug. It's a psychedelic um, they portrayed it in the movie, how easily it was distributed. I mean, it was even distributed by airplane at this one concert they showed. Um, <clears throat> that's how I remember it in those, those days. I don't know if you do, but it seemed like everyone was taking it. I took mm-hmm. it, uh, and it, it was uh, very disorienting. I, mm-hmm. It was disturbing. I didn't like it. Uh, you didn't have a sense of reality, but you thought you did. You thought you were having profound revelations. Mm. And and so for Lonnie Frisbee to say that he got the gospel on LSD and he was reported to be baptizing people when he was high and they were high, the Bible's very clear that we're not to engage in drunkenness, which mm. would include, um, you know, being high on drugs. Being under the influence, and, yeah. And for him to be, you know, practicing as a pastor under the influence is disturbing enough, but of course he... There's varying accounts that I don't want to kind of say without, you know, knowing the truth about his homosexuality. Mm-hmm. He admitted it. Yeah. Um, his brother is on uh, on a YouTube interview, a recent one, saying that he, that Lonnie's homosexuality was in the past before he was saved. Other people are saying no, he left his wife because he did divorce. Yeah. Uh, to return to homosexuality, and he and then he did die of AIDS. But Lonnie Frisbee said the AIDS was from the past. So I don't want to be the one to say and yes. talk out of turn. Yes, we have heard different things on that, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's almost conflicting reports depending on uh, who you read. But e- either yeah. way, Doreen, what do you think about this? Um, if he was authentically saved and converted, and he was baptizing people. Um, and let's just say he was maybe backsliding or he was not fully in the, engaged in the process of sanctification and he's still kind of one foot in the hippie movement in the world, maybe doing things that uh, we wouldn't see as biblical today, but yet he was still preaching the gospel and baptizing. 
does that affect the people that maybe were disciples at that time or, or that heard the gospel or that got baptized? What do you think? No, I mean, um, I was baptized by a man who, at that time, I, I didn't realize it was an issue because I was just, you know, it was in the New Age, which is all about inclusiveness and wokeness. <laughs> um, so the, the man who baptized me was a, a gay priest, a Episcopalian yep. priest, yep. Um, and married. You know, not in the biblical married marriage, to a man, right? Married to a man, yeah, mm-hmm. openly gay, and mm-hmm. and so if that was the case, I'd have to get rebaptized. But the Bible says one baptism. It's not about who baptized you; it's about whether you are truly saved or not. And mm. I was when I was baptized, I wasn't saved. I was going through the same thing that's portrayed in this movie that mm. Greg Laurie's often accused of, and that's easy believism or cheap grace, mm-hmm. where. I was told, well, just believe in Jesus. And I thought, well, I've always believed in Jesus. You know, Christian science believes in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. Mm. The demons were the first to recognize Jesus. Yes. So um, easy believism is something we have to watch out for. It's that euphoria that um, sometimes happened at the Billy Graham Crusades, at the Harvest Crusades, where people say, just say this prayer, come to the altar, and everything will change in your life. And it doesn't if you're not saved. Yeah. Yeah, there's really little opportunity to get in depth into the gospel and the pursuit of holiness and true repentance. Um, But yet, people do come to the Lord, like Billy Graham Crusades. Authentically, they come to the Lord, they get saved. Um, If I remember right, in your recent video, you shared a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you don't have that handy, when we come back from our break uh, in five minutes— I would love for you to share that. I love Bonhoeffer. Uh, I appreciate his stand and his uh, just speaking the truth and going against Hitler, of course, with about one-third of German pastors at that time. But um, cheap grace. Yeah, very interesting that we don't want to cheapen it. And some people in these environments are get – I don't say they get saved by emotionalism, but sometimes the play on emotions what is what drives them to maybe get out of their seat and come forward. I'm sure you have your some uh, thoughts on that, Doreen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you that there is something going on right now uh, with the popularity of all these purportedly Jesus books and, and TV shows and movies. There's something going on, which is so encouraging. Yes. Uh, we just want to make sure that this is not drawing people to a different gospel or a different Jesus. Mm. And revivals, too. Um, just just in the last uh, couple of minutes, we have three minutes here before our break. Um, the Asbury Revival, um, we have said on this podcast, we are thankful that uh, if God is truly moving, that he is reaching young people. If they are truly repenting of their sins and coming forward, that is a good thing, and we don't want to criticize that. However, there have been people that have tried to come in and, and, and kind of just corrupt these things, people from the NAR, and there have been some big-name people saying, hey, I want to be a part of this revival, and then just because they want the fame or whatever. Just briefly, your thoughts on, on that. I know we could spend a lot more time on that. Maybe we'll do that after the break. I agree with you. As long as people are pointed to the Bible, that was the whole problem for me all those years, is that I just thought I was following Jesus, and I didn't know him because I hadn't studied him in the Bible. And people say, well, you can't put God in a box, but God is in the book. And he did that. That's his way of preaching Mm -hmm. us. So 
those who want to Asbury Revival, those who are watching this movie or the TV show, The Chosen, I, I pray that they will be in God's Word, studying the Bible every single day. And the more you do that, the more you know who God is, the more you know who the, our three-in-one, triune, co-equal, co-eternal God is, mm. so that you can um, be sure that you're following Him and not some figment of your imagination. Doreen, did, did I um, remember that correctly, that, that quote? Did you share a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer on Cheap Grace? Was, yeah. that, was that him? Okay. On the other side of the break, if you can grab that, I would love to um, yeah. share that with our listeners. Um, when we come back, friends, uh, we've talked not really in depth. I mean, I'm looking at this Lighthouse Trails book, booklet on the Chosen series, 10 Critical Concerns, and, and it, it gets in depth, and we can talk about seduction by fiction is one. Um, it, we'll talk a little bit about that, but we're going to talk about Jonathan Rumi in a way you haven't heard us on this podcast talk about him because now he's portraying a different character. He is an actor. He's portraying a different character now in the Jesus Revolution. He's playing Lonnie Frisbee, where in The Chosen, he portrays Jesus. And as the producers have mentioned, it is between 85 and 95 percent um, artistic. In other words, not biblical. You cannot possibly take the script and the, you know, the, the um, lines from the characters. It's not in the Bible. They've got to make that up. So there's artistic license there. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a concerning thing they're promoting called the Hallow. App. You may have heard, saw this on TV or heard this on social media. We'll talk about that and where that leads people. And uh, also uh, another concerning part of the chosen where they, cons- they, they said Jesus sinned. You might not remember that part. And then Doreen and I will share a couple things about the chosen that really um, turned us off. And we're talking about red flags in uh, the, that series. So when we come back with Doreen Virtue, We'll uh, continue to ruffle some feathers, maybe encourage you guys, and maybe point you guys to some sources that you can get the truth on this. Again, it's about discernment. Again, it's about glorifying God and being biblically sound. More to come on Stand Up for the Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up for the Truth. We've got Doreen Virtue on the line. If you don't know her uh, recent uh, ministry, her book, and all the things that she's putting out on YouTube, great uh, discernment videos. I really, really appreciate her voice. Um, and she's got the book Deceived No More. You can find out in depth how Jesus led her out of the New Age movement. But we're talking about recent Christian entertainment, and I use that word because that's really what movies, television, even music. I mean, I know there's the worship um, side of uh, Christian music, and even then, there's some that is unbiblical. We've talked about Hillsong and Bethel and other things, and and the doctrinal beliefs behind that. But that's not the issue today. The person of Jonathan Rumi. Let's talk about that. And if you're a fan of the Chosen, please don't shut us off. <laughs> please just listen. And here are our concerns. We've talked about the Mormon angle or influence before, and Dallas Jenkins kind of justifying that aspect, but now they're promoting this Hollow app, and Jonathan Rumi is a part of that, Dallas Jenkins is a part of that. Let's talk about him, and you've got a portion of your video where you quote Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 12. Uh, Doreen, I just want to share that and let you go. 
There shall not be found among you one who calls up the dead, for whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. End quote. Why would you share that in light of Jonathan Rumi? Well, Jonathan Rumi, in preparation for his role as Lonnie Frisbee in the Jesus Revolution movie, went to Lonnie Frisbee's gravesite mm-hmm. and even laid down. And this is this is not just hearsay. There's him saying this, and I, I have the clip in my video. Yes, uh, he said that he laid down and he talked to to Lonnie and uh, asked for help with the role and asked for a sign even that if he was supposed to do this role, that there'd be a sign, and this was right next to the former Robert Schuller uh, Crystal Cathedral Church, is now a Catholic church, and he heard a, a, a chord of music from the organ of the church coming out of the doors, and he took that as a sign. Now, of course, Lonnie Frisbee is openly a Roman Catholic. For those who are not aware, Roman Catholicism practices and believes very differently than Protestantism. Mm-hmm. So I know that when I was you know, before I was saved, I thought all Christians are the same, you know, all churches are the same, and, and they're not. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Roman Catholics have a different Bible, they have a different set of Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Their Ten Commandments do not include the uh, prohibition of worshiping graven images. And so that's why Catholic churches are filled with statues of uh, dead people, and they pray to dead people, and that includes. The Bible calls saints, it, what it really means is those of us who are believers, but in Roman Catholicism, they think it means the biblical people only, mm-hmm. and those are the saints, but it's not only the saints. And so, in Roman Catholicism, you pray to Mary, who, while she was revered as the earthly mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus, she was a human, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so you don't pray to humans, you only pray to God, so... Uh, as you mentioned, there's this new, I guess it's been around for a while, actually, hollow, H-A-L-L-O-W, like the Lord's Prayer, hollow would be your, thy name, yep. uh, hollow app. It's the number one Roman Catholic app, and Jonathan Rumi, being a practicing Roman Catholic, he has been a part of, along with other cast members of The Chosen, uh, those who lead people in prayer on the hollow app. And you might think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, He's leading people to pray to dead people on the app, to Mother mm-hmm. Mary, to uh, saints, uh, to do the rosary, which is a tradition of Roman Catholicism. It's lovely, uh, but it's not biblical. And, uh, you know, it doesn't atone for our sins. Only Jesus' work on the cross atones for our sins. So uh, it's, it's troubling that Lonnie... Uh, Frisbee's character was played by a man who's leading people away from Protestantism yes. and toward Catholicism. Yes, and as you mentioned in the video, this practice in NAR circles is known as grave-sucking. Jonathan Rumi admits, he says this in an interview, you can look it up yourself, there's a video, but you can go to Doreen's video, and he says, I prayed with John, uh, Lonnie Frisbee, and of course Lonnie Frisbee's dead, he's in the grave, That his grave is in Southern California, right? And so this is concerning because he's talking to this, and he also said he wanted to, I'm paraphrasing Doreen, maybe you can remember the exact quote, he, he wanted to not glorify Lonnie by doing a good job playing his character, but it was something along those lines. Yeah, and he wanted Lonnie's help as if a dead person could help us, yep. which they can't. Yeah, well, and where did we get that belief? And that's in Catholic circles, they pray for intercession to the saints, and that's mm-hmm. where they get that. 
Um, let's talk about some of the problems you have. Um, we've talked about his uh, going to the grave or the, I guess, the, the case where Padre Pio is. And he showed that video on his Instagram, and he's there. He's probably doing that. So he, you're right. He is an influencer, very popular, and now he's in a Christian movie. And with this promotion of the Hallow app, he is leading people away from the inerrancy of Scripture and true biblical doctrine, isn't he? He is, because Roman Catholicism leans on tradition in addition to their, their Bible. And tradition of the Catholic Church is man-made, and we're not to follow myths and traditions and cultures. The Bible is very clear on that. You can read the, the book of Ephesians, book of Galatians. Uh, if we follow a different gospel, uh, let that person be accursed. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of very clear, strong warnings in our Bible to stay away from man-made doctrines. The Roman Catholic Church also puts the Pope on the same par as Jesus Christ, which is unbelievable that yes. they do that. Yes. Um, but they believe that the Apostle Peter was the first pope and that there was a succession yep. of popes coming from him. But that doesn't even make any sense on any level because Peter was never called a, a righteous man. And no. he's, he's shown to be, just like us, a sinner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to... One of the things, we, we are going to get to this idea of Jesus sinning, Jesus transgression, which is mentioned in The Chosen. You guys may have missed it. But let's talk about one scene that both irked Doreen and myself, and that is Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, rehearsing for the Sermon on the Mount and running it by Matthew and saying, what part do you like? What should we take out? What are your thoughts? Getting advice from a former tax collector, a sinner, and Jesus, God in the flesh, is practicing what he's going to say as if he didn't know what he was going to teach. Doreen, go ahead. (laughs) Where do we start with this? Yeah. I mean, look at Genesis 1, first of all. I mean... (laughs) God created the world. This is the creator. And throughout the Bible, it's made clear that God the Father created through the Son, Jesus. And, you know, look at Colossians 1, look at John's prologue, John 1. Mm, yes. Uh, all throughout the Bible, we were created through Jesus. So this is the creator. And the chosen repeatedly portrays Jesus uh, by over overemphasizing his human nature. He was fully God and fully man, but they... They, they portray him as an uh, insecure man, including this heretical scene where they, um, Dallas Jenkins said, wouldn't it be interesting to try to see what it would have been like if Jesus had to rehearse? Jeez. And there's been at least two interviews, uh, people who have interviewed Dallas Jenkins, who said, well, maybe it was possible that Jesus had to rehearse. And, and I just, I cannot even believe that anyone who's read the Bible would even entertain that idea that that Jesus, fully God, fully man, uh, our creator, the second person of the Holy Trinity, would need to rehearse or would need the opinion of a man, a sinful man, we're all sinners, uh, like Matthew. So this scene is, it's, it's so offensive, it's off the charts. Yes. And yet Dallas Jenkins and his interviewers continue to uh, defend it. I think because The Chosen is is so entertaining, entertaining to some people. Yes. And there's been a lot of posts of 
people writing that now when they close their eyes and they're reading the Bible and they think of Jesus, they think of Jonathan Rumi, the actor, yep. as Jesus. That's deeply disturbing. Yeah, well, but, you know, yeah, 25 years ago, people pictured a blonde, you know, six foot four Jesus, and then, you know, like, almost like a yeah. Dolph Lundgren in the Rocky movies, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Rocky Four. But th- there right. are some concerns about this because, again, Dallas Jenkins, the producer of The Chosen, is quoted as saying 95% of the content of The Chosen isn't from the Bible. End quote. Now that doesn't mean that he wanted to do something, um, uh, you know, heretical. He didn't purposely seek to do that, but it's entertainment. Doreen, I want to get your thoughts on a person that has never read the Bible, never had anything to do with the church, somehow watches the chosen and kind of gets drawn into maybe the humanity of Jesus and maybe, maybe leads them to a church, maybe leads them to open up a Bible. Obviously, that's a good thing. And we know that's mm-hmm. happening to what degree we don't know. But just, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, if, it, if someone, if, and this would be all the Lord's doing, of course. Yep. If the Lord would lead someone uh, because the chosen has been a springboard to read the Bible and and lead that person to salvation. Praise the Lord! We pray that that happens. But someone who's saved and in their Bible is not going to be able to tolerate the chosen very long, because once you're saved, the Holy Spirit's within you. The Holy Spirit is the actual author of mm. the Bible, working through over forty men, Amen. and it's one continuous book from Genesis one all the way to Revelation twenty two. There's one voice. And once you recognize that voice, you don't have a tolerance for anything that's a different voice. Some comments that come in uh, about The Chosen are something like this, and I'm reading a quote out of of this booklet. I really like a lot of the human qualities displayed by The Chosen's Jesus. It's so easy to relate to him, end quote. And Doreen, uh, on its face, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you focus more on the humanity and kind of ignore the deity of Christ, as you mentioned, John 1, Colossians 1, uh, he is God, then it's a problem, because then if a human can't save, right? So this is what a lot of people relate to when they watch The Chosen, because they interpret it and they make it so um, conversational, like what would have, what would the disciples have been talking about? Because it's not scripted, it's not in the Bible, it's not in God's Word, so let's create a dialogue. And and yeah, people can relate to that, but it's not, again, it's not in the Bible. It's not. And this is what happens when you think of Jesus as your buddy buddy. Mm. You know, this is and and you know, the same and I'm gonna offend people with this, the Jesus Calling book does the same thing. It's a book marketed to women and it makes Jesus a romantic figure. Yep. He gazes into your eyes, you know, and tells you you're wonderful and you don't have to change. Thank you. So there's no conviction there, there's yeah. no repentance, and that is a part of salvation. So I'm just concerned about uh, false converts from these shows, people who say, oh yeah, I love Jesus too, we mm. heard that in the New Age. Uh, I was the, the first one to say that, oh, I love Jesus, I follow him, but it was another Jesus. Mm. Jesus himself said that in the end times there would be people who said they were Jesus, and this is the concern, is if you're not following the truth, Jesus, as Jesus himself warned, there'll be people who, when they die, go to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we uh, cast out demons in your name? And he'll say, away from me, you workers of inequity, I never knew you, and cast them into the lake of fire, uh, because they're following a different Jesus, they're practicing 
unrepentant sin, mm. and we're all sinners, but once you're saved, you're convicted immediately. Mm. You just, it hurts to sin. Yes. And so you're, you're repenting mm-hmm. right away. So you'd be a worker of inequity if you are not saved. Um, you don't have any choice but to sin if you're not saved. So that's where people think they can have their cake and eat it too mm-hmm. with these false Jesuses. Yes. And, and we've said many, many, many times on this podcast, just because something is sold in a Christian bookstore doesn't mean it is, quote, Christian or biblical. Um, do you have a, a separate video on Jesus Calling, or do you just include parts of it in different uh, videos that you've done? Yeah, I'm working on a video about Jesus Calling. I've okay. done a, a lot of interviews on the topic, and I have a lot of posts on uh, Facebook and Instagram about it. Uh, but Warren B. Smith, who's an author with Lighthouse Trails Research has two books with them mm-hmm. on the topic. Uh, one is called Another Jesus yes. Calling yes. <laughs> that I recommend, and then 10 Scriptural Reasons Why We Shouldn't Read Jesus Calling is his booklet with Lighthouse Trails. And so he really is the one who pioneered the awareness that um, Jesus Calling is heretical and should be avoided. Mm. We've had Warren Smith on. It's been many years, but he's such a blessing. And he came out of the New Age, so he's very knowledgeable about that as well. So let's talk about this one other instance where Jesus transgressed. Uh, Doreen, set set that scene up for us and explain why this can't be biblical. Okay, well, we know um, in the book of Luke it describes Jesus' childhood and, and one scene where he... Um, the, the family had gone to Jerusalem for a festival, and that's big, big crowds. And then they were uh, traveling back to um, Nazareth, or to Galilee, and um, they realized that Jesus wasn't with them, which would have been common, because they, the women may have traveled separate than the men. They, Mary thought Jesus was Joseph and vice versa. But then they went back to Jerusalem and found Jesus in the temple, uh, listening to teaching, um, and and so that really happened. But the chosen, of course, takes what really happened, and they always want to twist it. So in their scene, when Jesus and and Mary found Jesus, uh, when Joseph and Mary found Jesus, the little boy, um, the father was scolding him and saying, "Now, Jesus, what are you going to do to make it up to your mother for your transgression?" Now, transgression might sound like an ordinary word, but in the Bible, it's only used as a synonym for sin. It's right. Pesha right. is the Hebrew word. And so in, in the Chosen, then, Joseph was telling Jesus, you're a sinner. And that right there, there should have been a loud buzzing sound. Because <laughs> the only way that we're saved by Jesus is because he's the only sinless man that ever walked on earth. Mm-hmm. And that included his childhood. He he 100% honored his mother and father. Uh, he, he did nothing out of God's law. He completely was obedient to our Father God. And for the chosen to suggest otherwise is a different gospel. Yeah, wow. That's, when I saw that, I'm thinking, wow, transgression, really? Um, so, yeah, there's, there are some concerns about the artistic license. And, yes, it may be entertaining, but Doreen, your overall thoughts on, I mean, there's even another movie coming out that maybe you can touch on in, in a minute, but your, your overall thoughts on how we should approach 
these Christian movies. I mean, I, I happen to like the one I can only imagine and some of the other ones that the Kendrick brothers have put out. I love yeah. stuff that Kevin Sorbo and Kirk Cameron are part of. But there, are, there might always be little things that are not quite accurate, but not necessarily unbiblical or that would lead you away from Scripture. So your, your thoughts on where the church is at today, and part of it I know is, is biblical illiteracy of today's church and the declining biblical worldview overall in America. But uh, for Christians, how can we respond to so many people who are just taking this in and just eating it up? Yeah, and, you know, such as the scene where Joseph supposedly said Jesus sinned, you you blink, you miss that kind of thing. Yes. But it's, it's registered at some level in you, I'm sure, and it can influence your thoughts about Jesus. So it's concerning um, that we're told to have no fellowship with darkness, but instead expose it. And so we can't be watching secular movies, because secular movies, as we know, they have all sorts of uh, sexual sin just planted in there and and trying to normalize it. So we really have to avoid um, the secular TV and, and movies. So what is a Christian to do? I mean, you can watch sermons. Uh, that's what I do on <laughs> YouTube, or try to find family-friendly shows. A lot of times that ends up being a Hallmark movie, but even those, you know, these days they show gay scenes, they have female pastors in them, and yep. all sorts of things, and, and they tend to teach follow your heart, believe in yourself type messages. <laughs> so it, it is tough. Um, there also is the issue of, is it a second commandment violation to have Jesus portrayed? Mm, uh, in the, You know, is that a graven image of some level? And, and folks like the G3 president, Pastor Scott Aniel, argue that, yeah, it's a second commandment violation mm. to watch videos that are portraying Jesus, because then you get it in your head, that's what he looks like and sounds like. So it's it's tough minefield for us in mm-hmm. this world. Yes, that. I think we're safest just to find a solid pastor and watch sermons. Yeah, so that's what feeds us. Or, or myself, I'll watch nature videos about animals. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah, it's stay in the word, friends. And as you said at the end of your video, again, I love it. Bible before breakfast, word before world. Um, really. Briefly, Doreen, um, the other movie that's, what's it called again with, uh, about Pastor Greg Locke? Oh, Come, come Out in Jesus. Come Name. Out, was, yeah. It was shown in theaters one time, and then uh, Greg Locke came on at the end, kind of as a live feed. And he, this is a movie about self-deliverance, and it's twisting. Jesus did, of course, empower the disciples, and there was one other man uh, who wasn't a disciple in Luke who is uh, casting out demons in Jesus' name. And so what they, this has become is this industry called deliverance ministry, hmm. and people calling themselves demon slayers, yeah. as if they're Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> when it makes no sense because demons are unclean spirits. So how do you slay a spirit? Um, and it's a real dangerous practice that I was involved in when I was first saved, because spiritual warfare is real, demons yes. are real. Yes. The question is, how do you deal with it? You go to the Bible. And the Bible gives us uh, four instructions. It says, you know, pray the Lord's Prayer, which says, deliver us from evil. Trust the Lord, in other words. He was the one who cast out demons. Um, Even the disciples couldn't cast out a certain demon because it required too much prayer and fasting for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second, we're taught about um, the the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. And, and, And that's protection. We're taught... 
in the book of James to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Resist. And then we're also taught throughout the Bible that if we, um, if we sin, we have to repent, because in the Bible, and this is Pastor Jim Osmond, who I'd love to see him on your show, David. Mm. Uh, he wrote a book called Truth or Territory about what the Bible says about spiritual warfare, mm. and he found that most spiritual warfare, according to the Bible, is attributed to unrepentant sin. Okay, so interesting. Yeah. So we should not be sitting there paying a deliverance minister. And and by the way, Greg Locke says you can get on his monthly subscription to make sure you're clear of demons. What? Interesting, huh? Oh, boy. Well, I know we're supposed yeah. to put on the armor of God, and I know we have everything that pertains to life and for godliness, and we know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But um, I also know that I think, I'm not sure if it was Daniel or, or, or I think it was Daniel, not Revelation, that uh, uh, Daniel even said, um, the Lord rebuke you. Uh, Daniel didn't even say, come out in Jesus' name. He didn't even do yeah. that. But anyway, Doreen, before we run out of time, do you have that quote handy? I know it's going to bless I do. a bunch of people yeah, from I'll... Dietrich Bonhoeffer on Cheap Grace. Yeah, as you mentioned, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor, and, and he was against the, uh, the Nazis, and he was helping the Jews. Uh, and it cost him his life, actually. Mm -hmm. And so he was very concerned with cheap grace or easy, easy believism, where you're told if you just say this prayer, you're fine, you're saved, you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so um, he's got this quote about cheap grace, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Sure. It says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Hmm. And so uh, he really contrasts that with true grace. Yes. It's called costly grace. Hmm. It's a treasure hidden in the field. For the sale of it, a man will go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy, which the merchant will sell all his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ, for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Mm. There, so is a, there is a cost. There is a cost, mm -hmm. and, and boy, I know it myself. I uh, gave up my husband and I, we were saved at the same time, praise the Lord. We gave up everything, including family and friends who mm. don't understand Christianity and um, I do want to say that my old books, there's some people still out there selling them against my wishes, even illegal printers, bootleg printers. Wow. Um, and it's one of my greatest burdens, but um, mm. I just, I keep praying that God will use those old books that have my website on them and lead them to my website, and God will use that to point them to the gospel. Um, and, and I have a lot of uh, feedback that that is happening. Praise the Lord. And, Praise God. Yeah. As long as my old products are out there, I have no choice but to, to come out and uh, daily be on social media, yeah. and never asking for money, never <clears throat> accepting donations. I'm only doing this because I've, I, I'm so convicted about false teachings about Jesus that I was a part of before I was saved. And uh, we just have to be so careful. And as you and I have been emphasizing during this hour, to be in God's Word. Yes, amen. It's the only way to not be fooled. Amen. DoreenVirtue.com. We appreciate you, sister. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you, brother. 
Tomorrow, Jay Siegert of the Starting Point Project, talking about the Earth's origins and what the Bible teaches about it. Next week, we've got Natasha Crane, apologist and author, on with us Tuesday, and a few other guests that you're going to love. Thank you for sharing the podcast, and as always, God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.